You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have Daniel Johnson with us here this afternoon. Daniel, I really appreciate your time. Before we kick things off and I give the spiel about why we're talking to you today, I always want to make sure everybody has your contact information. So um, it is refocusfp.com. And I'll make sure to have those link, that link in the show notes. But is there any other preferred method that people, if they wanted to reach out to you? Uh, that is the absolute best way to get in touch with me. Uh, you can feel free to send me an email directly, daniel at refocusfp.com as well. Sure. So, um, and we, I, I provided that information right off the bat because I know that some people might want to reach out uh, right away because we are, you're a very unique individual because uh, you are a real estate investor, but you're also a financial planner. And I, have found in the past that, frankly, and bluntly, sometimes those interests aren't aligned. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, JD. I, you know, I, I, I launched my my financial planning company um, in January of 2021, and the reason being is I was working as a financial planner at a at a, a large financial planning company you know working with about 100 clients and 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 I saw the when, whenever some folks came in that had real estate portfolios that the interest of the company that I was working for and the interest of the prospective client did not align because generally financial planning companies are paid uh, based on assets under management so their incentive a lot of financial advisors financial planners incentives are to get people to sell their real estate and move their money into managed accounts. And, and I just figured, hey, look, I've seen enough of this to know there might be a business opportunity here to not have that, that in, uh, misaligned incentives drawn out. So that's that's kind of how I decided to launch this financial planning company, Refocus Financial Planning, is to concentrate on just working with real estate investors and doing what's in their best interest. And that's not always selling selling their real estate and moving into a, a portfolio. Yeah, so let's let's backtrack a little bit. How did you get involved in real estate investing? Yeah, so I I, I became a real estate investor back in two thousand and seven, um, the great days right before the great financial crisis. Um, I, I bought my first property, and it was it was what we now call a house hack. I didn't even know what that was back then, but bought a property and and got two roommates. Started renting, you know, renting two rooms to them. Um, it paid the mortgage. I, I got to live rent free, and so that's kind of my first foray into real estate was just through a house hack, a simple house hack. I actually still own that property today, um, and it's just a full, full on long term rental. Sure. And then, so uh, can we talk a little bit about you know? Then you got into financial planning. How have you found that it marrying those two concepts? I mean, most financial planners will likely. Um, they seem to be selling products more than anything else, you know, whether it's a, a index fund or or what have you. But uh, 
uh, there's probably a definite balance that you're you're trying to diversify your clients. Right. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. The you know what I found is that there is there is an, the there is the way for a financial planner to engage with um, a real estate investor in a way that maintains um, maintains the the interest of both parties. One meaning that a financial planner can get paid for their services. And it's not based on a, the sale of a product or a commission or something like that. Um, that that you can give financial advice and and somebody can can pay for that financial advice. And the good thing about that is that it, it really puts you on the same. It puts me as a financial planner on the same side of the table as uh, my client because the only the only interest that I have is for my client to continue to increase their their net worth. To become mm-hmm. more and more successful, because what does that mean? I mean, me as a financial planner giving them advice—if that advice is leading to good outcomes—that probably means that they're going to stick around and continue to be a client, and they might even, you know, talk to me uh, to, to some of their friends. So I, I really have a deep belief in in diversification, and not just diversification in the stock market, and only making sure you own at least x, x number of stocks or x number of mutual funds that that diversification goes beyond that, that being diversified and having real estate, having some um, investments that might be allocated to the stock market is probably not a bad idea as well. Having some cash or some business assets, all of those things are are good foundational pieces of a well-balanced portfolio that for the long-term um, will likely lead to success in, in anyone's personal financial world. So can we talk a little bit about like, so you mentioned you, that uh, you can get paid a little differently uh, for your advice. What What is different with the way you structure your fees associated with a traditional or what we would commonly see as a financial instrument? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll kind of give you first the way that I would say probably 95% of advisors are now are paid. And that's what's it's called assets under management. And it's usually you go you go to someone and you say, hey, look, um, I'd like to work with you. They say, okay, um, the fee is one percent on the first call it one million dollars that they manage. Mm-hmm. So it's just a percentage of the amount that's managed. Now, the way that I've structured my fee is just a flat fee, and it basically says, hey, based on the complexity of your situation, um, my fee is going to be X dollars per year, and it's just a flat fee. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily go up or down in any one year. And, and that can be paid monthly or quarterly or however often. And a lot of times my clients can actually pay for my fee out of their, their business accounts because I'm doing a lot of business planning with them. I'm doing a lot of planning for their real estate. And so they can actually have it as a business deductible expense. Um, and I may be giving them other advice on taxes or insurance or estate planning or those types of things. Mm-hmm. But those are all kind of uh, on the uh, you know, tertiary to the the main planning, which is around, you know, their real estate portfolio and their long-term goals and objectives. So that's the way that I, I'm able to structure my fees is just a flat fee. Right. No, that's kind of unique that you offer, you know, some, a little guidance too regarding some of those other categories. Um, because I think a lot of people who are looking into real estate investing and a lot of people that listen to this show actually are relatively new to real estate investing and and uh, a little help regarding the day-to-day business is is probably pretty valuable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, 
you know, the biggest, the biggest pieces of, of being a successful real estate investor are um, building the right teams, putting the right people around you. And, and that probably means having, um, you know, at some point in time, hiring a bookkeeper at some point in time, you know, making sure you have a good CPA that's in your corner, that's making sure they're taking advantage of every single little deduction that's possible. Um, you know, making sure that you have a good attorney that's, that's looked over your, your lease agreements and all those types of things. So, so, you know, my, you know, a lot of the, the value that I can bring is having been through all that. I'm, I am a real estate investor, so I understand all that goes into running a real estate business. And, and just, you know, for those that are starting out, understanding, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of great resources out there, this podcast included, but having somebody that's right there that can walk with you through it is, is really quite valuable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people are uh, talking to financial advisors and looking for the type of help that you provide, what are some of the questions that they should be asking? When uh, yeah, that yeah yeah that's 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 a great question. You know, the first that I would say is just you know, anytime you're hiring somebody that's going to work on your behalf, you just want to know what conflicts of interest exist. You know, where mm-hmm. where are your incentives aligned? And, and are they going to be looking out for your best interest in all circumstances? Um, that's kind of the first one. That goes back to the compensation a lot of times. Um, but two, you want, to, you want to ask them, hey, look, what kind of credentials do you have in order to give me advice on my situation? Um, you, know, maybe, you know, maybe it's the CFP, the Certified Financial Planner. Um, and that has kind of become the gold standard for financial planners. Um, you, you may be, it may be that you want to have a CFA, which is a chartered financial analyst, um, which is more on the investment side, digging into the investments. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of questions around, um, you know, whether or not the, the person is competent and to be able to help you with your particular situation. Um, that, that is one of the absolute biggest things, but then three, um, you know, the biggest, what, 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 one of the biggest things that I've seen is just making sure that they are an independent fiduciary that only has your interest at heart and, and that they're not on the side selling other things to you that they're getting compensated for and, and pushing products and that sort of thing. You know, that's, that's just one of the, the biggest things that I see from the, on the financial planning front, uh, when people are interviewing and hiring, um, whether or not they're competent and how they're paid. So with that, are there, since you have uh, this experience with real estate investing, are there any blind spots that real estate investors need to be watching out for? You know, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of financial planners, financial advisors that do a great job and, and can help real estate investors. Um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of how deeply they need to go into the details with, with you as an investor. You know, if you've kind of covered all your bases and, 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 and know exactly what you're doing and, and you don't, you don't necessarily feel like you need any assistance on the real estate side, then I think, I think that's fine. However, if you find, if you find a planner that really is not aligned and in favor um, of real estate investing, then you could easily be swayed, you know, an an advisor could easily start talking to you and talk you out of doing a particular deal or buying a particular property because of all the risks that are involved. And and there's Mm -hmm. always going to be risk to investing. That's that's a part of it. Um, But really what you want to do is you want to find somebody who's going to be 
supportive of that endeavor, obviously looking out for your best interest in all the other areas that you need to be watching for, but supportive of your endeavor of essentially building a business. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's one of the, one of the pieces of the puzzle that I think is a lot of times missing is just a level of competency on the advisor side on knowing, knowing what a real estate investment looks like, how, you know, what, what are the upsides? Why are you doing a particular deal? Maybe you found a great, um, a great price on a great property and you're going to flip it, or maybe it's a long-term hold, but just having somebody who's on board and understanding what your long-term goals and objectives are for your real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, backing up there for a second, do you go as far as helping people like analyze a property and taking a look at its financials? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely a hundred percent right in the wheelhouse of things that I do. Um, And, and I think just as important as that, I think a lot of times it's also analyzing your current portfolio and Mm -hmm. finding where, you know, there, there may be opportunities to improve efficiency you know, maybe maybe rents need to be raised uh, in order to to line up um, in perspective to what values have have risen to, mm-hmm. um, and so so yeah, that's that's absolutely one hundred percent what I what I do with my clients is I'll I'll help them analyze a particular deal, help them look at their blind spots on on what they may be missing. Um, many times they're they're covered, they know what's going on, and they're they know what they're doing. Um, but then also just allocating capital, making sure that they can get the capital that they need to make the investments happen. Um, in a tax efficient way, in a timely way. Um, sure. So yeah, absolutely. No, this is kind of a unique because I've actually been uh, on the hunt, frankly, for those situations where uh, it sounds like you you're you have a balancing act going on here because uh, I've yet to find somebody willing to go as far as what I'm. I think I'm hearing you suggest is that you're in you're doing your investments. But somebody raising their hand and saying, hey, your tax ob- obligation might be a little high over here. You might want to buy another property or or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, like those yeah. trigger points when a certain activity probably would would help help the situation. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in, in a lot of a lot of cases, you, you you especially right now in the tax environment that we have, where you can you know, you can accelerate depreciation uh, pretty rapidly. You can you can do if you go buy a new property and and do an accelerated depreciation or cost segregation study, you can really impact your taxes in a particular year. So having the foresight of looking ahead at you know future tax years and and making sure that your capital flows are going to match up with your your objectives on growing your portfolio, um, and then that it's not going to also coincide with a big a big tax hit. Or an implication that that you weren't expecting. So, yeah, you're 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 exactly right. And and to to be clear, I the the one thing that I separate myself from is actually going and 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 placing um, investments with with clients. So I'm not going to go and and find a private placement and place a real estate um, investment with my client. Um, that I I believe kind of starts to build a little bit of conflict of interest there because many times those come with with payment terms. And I never want for my advice and allocation to come um to to be to to be uh essentially have the you know a conflict of interest of placing an investment with a client, but then having to give the client 
um, independent analysis and thought on a particular investment. So I don't mm-hmm. want to be bringing investment recommendations to my clients. I want to be, I want to be analyzing the ones that they're bringing, that they the ideas that they have to make sure that they fit and are aligned with their goals and objectives in the long run. Sure. So just as a reminder, uh, you can uh, get a hold of Daniel by heading over to Refocus FP. That's what is FP stand for? Financial planning. Financial. That was silly. Financialplanning.com. So it is refocusfp.com. And uh, for more information and how you can get a hold of Daniel, um, could we back up for a second? You mentioned a con- consolidation schedule, right? I, I think that was the term you used. Oh, or a, a cost segregation study? Cost segregation um, study. That was it. Um, can you define that a little bit and let people know what that would be? Sure. So, so, so sometimes whenever a, an investment is made into a property, um, one of the strategies is to essentially kind of, let, let's, let's just say, for example, you're, you're buying a, a small apartment building and, and we'll just call it a million dollars. And the small apartment building, if you, if you basically get an engineer to, to take a look at the building and they kind of break down the building into pieces and depreciation on, on large commercial buildings is generally 40 years, right around 40 years. Residential is 27 and a half years. Um, but what they do is they're able to break apart this building figuratively, obviously not literally, and, and categorize the different components of the, of the home or the building into different depreciable lives. So let's say the HVAC's the HVAC system has a 15-year life or a 10-year life. It gets depreciated at 10 years mm-hmm. and they they assign a, a cost al- allocation to it. So what you do is you take this million-dollar building, you chop it up into pieces, and you're able to, to um, instead of just taking the standard depreciation schedule over 40 years, you're able to chop it up and accelerate your depreciation, meaning you're offsetting more of your income. And it might be your income from that particular property, but it could also be income from other properties or from uh, from other activities, just depending on your tax situation. Sure. So, do you provide that service, or do you have a service that helps people with that? Yeah, that's um, generally is going to be outsourced to a. Um, many times, accounting firms will have a department that can do that. Um, sometimes it's they're they're specialized engineered companies that essentially specialize in building these reports for folks. And, and I've seen reports. It, it obviously depends on the scope of the project, but a lot of times reports cost anywhere from fifteen hundred dollars to ten thousand uh, dollars, just depending on um, what the scope of the project looks like. And do you find that is it worthwhile to even do this with a single family home, or do you you mostly focused on multifamily for something like this? Yeah, I, I think it would, you would be hard pressed on a single family home. It, it would have to be. It would have to be quite the um, quite the situation where it would be it would be worthwhile to do it there. A lot of times in in the very beginning when you buy a property, you can actually just go in and do like a kind of like a mini cost segregation study where you're actually just pulling out little pieces of it, like the appliances and um, you know different fixed asset properties that you can depreciate in the very first year or two, um, so that you can kind of do a mini cost segregation study that doesn't cost anything, but you're just able to work with your CPA and pulling out some of those components and accelerating them faster. Sure. So well, we're going to jump over to a different, like uh, completely derail you here now. 
uh, talking about <laughs> me being a squirrel, right? I wanted to spend a couple minutes on self-directed IRAs and if you have any involvement with that and what are your thoughts? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it's extremely, extremely common question. And um, and yeah, it's it's definitely a, a way to utilize your retirement assets and to gain exposure to um, to real estate, to gain exposure to, um, you know, a, a lot of areas that if you don't have the capital that you're able to, you know, utilize that, th- those assets to, to gain exposure to it. I would say if you're asking my uh, opinion on it, I, I would say I'd have mixed opinions and it depends on the situation. Um, what, one of the big negatives is that you cannot take advantage of what I was just talking about, depreciation inside of a self-directed IRA. Let's say you bought a house, um, you're not able to depreciate that property and take advantage of those tax um, advantages with the self-directed IRA. So um, it loses some impact in some ways, but it allows you to possibly utilize a, an asset that you you were underutilized previously. Yeah, you know, the, some some people uh, almost think that the, that's the holy grail. And I wanted to see what your opinion was regarding like some some uh, problems there that would be, that would actually be a pretty significant problem if you can't take advantage of some of the other real estate profit centers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, one one difficult place is that um, this you know this is getting a little bit into the details, but I love it. Um, if you were to, if you were to buy a home using your uh, your self directed IRA um, and get a mortgage on it, you have to take out what's called a non recourse mortgage. Um, which basically means that you are not a personal guarantee on that mortgage. Um, when you do that, then you introduce another issue, which is called unrelated business income tax, UBIT. Um, because if you if you borrow money and then and then take in rental income, it's just a, a part of the it's it's a part of the tax code that says um, you're basically creating a little bit of a business inside of that, and the IRA itself is supposed to be more of a passive vehicle. Therefore, they're going to tax you a little bit more on, on the income that's allocated to the um, to the, the mortgage on the, on the property. All of this to say, I am not a tax preparer. Um, this is not tax advice. Definitely check with your, your CPA, your tax advisor before making decisions for or against it, uh, because there, there may be some situational things that that affect you differently. Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense, you know, that and it uh does lead me to just a lot of thoughts, you know, uh, like I said, a lot of people think that self-directed IRAs is a, is a great option and and that's how they're going to get in, into real estate investing. Um but uh there are some some pretty big caveats that that they need to be aware of. Yeah. And and one thing I'll say is, you know, the, it's it's called self-dealing or prohibited transactions um, that you have to be aware of and make sure that you're not you're not influencing the um, the investment in an, uh, in an undue way. Basically, if you were to buy a property in an IRA, you're not allowed to go over there and start swinging a hammer and renovating the property. You have to hire everything out. Um, you you likely can't manage the property yourself. You probably need to hire a, a property manager for it. Um, so there's a lot of things to consider when doing this. And, you know, one, one, one thing that I kind of look at is um, whether it might actually be 
from a tax standpoint, advantageous to just withdraw the money from your IRA, pay a penalty and pay taxes on it and reinvest the money. Um, you're, you may have a better tax outcome once you crunch the numbers and look at the long term on that. One thing that I love with IRAs and, um, and self-directed IRAs is to use it for private lending to the extent that you have anyone that you know that is um, that is doing renovations, doing flips, you know, is doing burrs, that you can actually lend them money and make the other side of the of the coin. You might be able to make that ten percent plus two points um, by lending the money out, and and that's a really really great use for for IRAs. Of course, there's still risk with that. You 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 know, you're, you're kind of subject to the the investment risk of what happens if um, the flip goes south or whatever the case is. So. But but those are those are some options that you can utilize, and that's a very passive way to do it is to lend the money out, right? Yeah, and and uh, I know this is a pretty loaded question, um, so I, I and we only have a few le- minutes remaining. But you know, when you're advising people uh, regarding this as a whole picture with real estate investing and the stock market and everything in between, what have you found is like? Do you do you typically find that Half of their investment money is in real estate. Half of it's in in the stock market. What's the balance there? Yeah, I'll I'll go back and say it depends. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, where what I've seen uh, from from advising a lot of folks over the last year number of years is that some of the most successful people are the ones who take a lot of concentrated risk. That you know, build a business. The way that I think about real estate is it's a business. And, and I don't care if, if you do it part-time on the side and you have a W-2 job. I think that you have to think about it as a business. And so really, really successful people, financially successful people have built businesses. And a lot of times they're pouring their every single extra dollar, all their blood, sweat, and tears into that business. And that's the reason it's successful is because it has their full weight and attention to detail behind it. Um, Now, once again, real estate is not for everyone. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Um, And and many times, a more passive approach is probably better. And and in that way, you probably want to focus on finding good partners and teaming up with people. If that is the case and you're not building a business, that's where I start to 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 want to say think about diversification in that because you're making investment decisions. You're not building a business. You're making investment decisions. However, if you're building a business, then and you're you're in it every day, working as hard as you can, then I think I think a lot of times allocations are just kind of they they, they kind of are what they are, and mm-hmm. and and a, and a really successful investor is not going to look at oh no I have you know. 75% of my net worth in real estate. I mean, if you look at Elon Musk's balance sheet, I would anticipate that it's, you know, 95 plus percent in in Tesla and SpaceX. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's just that's just the way that entrepreneurs a lot of times go. So I I'm not opposed to a lot of concentration in in real estate, but at the same time as as a financial planner, I do look at those risks and I help my clients look at those risks. And and map out well. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if we have a pandemic? <laughs> you know, what what if what if um, everyone you know kind of ends up with a short term job loss that there's not a lot of capital and we have no idea what the future holds. 
Mm-hmm. Those are big things that everyone should think about and look at. It doesn't mean you don't invest. It just means that you understand what the risks are and how to protect yourself in those downturns. Right. No, I, I don't think there's a better way to, to close out this episode. That was that was some great information. Again, Daniel Johnson, head over to refocusfp.com. And then I'll make sure to include, uh, if you feel comfortable, I'll include your uh, email address in the show notes as well. Sure. But um, uh, I hope you can come back on again sometime because I have a feeling, I know you have some experience with short-term rentals and and some senior living and a few other things. We, I'd love to chat with you about that sometime. Absolutely. would love to come back anytime. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.